But oh, that game seven for the Islanders. This is the Islanders' time. If you're an offensive player on Tampa, you're like, oh God, I got to deal with this for four to seven games? Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 46. Welcome to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, your Islanders are back in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 1993. They will face the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are no strangers to the Conference Finals. They've made it four out of the last six years. And I'm your host, Andrew Gross. Please find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. Hope you enjoy this show. I'm going to be joined very shortly uh, by the Newsday team helping me cover the Islanders playoff run. That's columnist Neil Best and reporter Colin Stevenson. We'll get to them very, very shortly, but just... What a run it's been. You know, they they, they dispatched the, the Flyers in seven games in the second round. And if anyone can remember back or looks at the paper, yes, I picked at the Islanders in seven games in that series. Actually, I also picked them in seven against the Caps, and they got that done in five. But I had the Islanders in seven against the Flyers, but I had no way of predicting that that's the way they would have gotten to game seven. You know, it it just seemed like that series took so many twists and turns. And the Islanders and uh, Islanders statistician Eric Hornick uh, uh, confirmed this or or tweeted out the confirmation that the Islanders are the first team to win four games in regulation in a best-of-seven series and lose three games in overtime. And uh, they, they, you know, the Flyers also nearly came back from a 3-1 series deficit. Back-to-back, obviously, overtime wins in Games 5 and 6, a double overtime win in Game 6 to force a 7. But, oh, that Game 7 for the Islanders. They were just on top of everything, 4 nothing. Uh, really, no doubt about it, right from the start. Uh, the limit the, uh, the, the Flyers to 16 shots in the whole game, and, and that was three shots in the second period and really you know after the islanders take a 2 nothing lead in the first period the flyers only get 10 shots the rest of the game on thomas grice and that of course will lead to the discussion as to who starts or who will be the islanders main goalie against the lightning will that be thomas grice or will that be Semyon varlamov and uh we'll talk to neil and colin and get their thoughts on that um before we do, you know, how long ago was 1993? I mean, you know, when I close my eyes, it actually doesn't seem all that long ago. Um, you know, I know probably some of you listening weren't even born in 1993. There are some Islander players who weren't born in 1993. That was 27 years ago. Um, you know, that's basically half my lifetime. You can do the math there. Um, in 93, you know, I, I was still a year away from being married. Uh, I was still three years away from being a father for the first time. And, uh, you know, I, I do remember 93 fairly well, obviously. Um, you know, it was an exciting run for the Islanders who get to the uh, Eastern Conference semifinal. Uh, you know, the playoff run, Dale Hunter takes that run at Pierre Turgeon, and uh, they don't have uh, Pierre in the second round. And uh, But they do get 
to face the Canadians who would go on to win the Stanley Cup and, and, and the Canadians take them out in five games. And, and I, I do recall at one point, and, you know, I, I was still living in upstate New York. My first job out of Syracuse was uh, the Oneonta Daily Star. And, you know, the radio reception for the Islanders up there, you really couldn't get it. But I do I do recall driving back one night with with my now wife from uh, Albany. I think we had gone to see a concert or something. I was listening, I believe, uh, driving from Albany to Montreal, uh, listening to an English, uh, the Montreal Canadiens English radio broadcast, because I could get that signal uh, in, in central New York. And, and at some point on Interstate 88, uh, somewhere between Albany and... And Oneonta, something happened that, you know, something went against the Islanders in the game. And, you know, in the middle of the night, or not the middle of the night, but at night I'm driving on this, you know, deserted interstate highway, really. And I just started cursing, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and, and it was the first real discussion I remember having with my wife as to why people get so upset about listening to teams they root for. Um, and obviously not covering the Islanders back then. And, you know, as I've said, I grew up an Islanders fan. So it it was a pretty deep discussion as to exactly why that pushed my buttons. And I was getting so upset about a hockey game that I could, you know, the, it was so statically on the radio. It was giving my uh, now wife a headache anyway, listening to it. She just couldn't understand why I was, you know, getting the blood pressure worked up so much. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, obviously the, the, the Islanders have not been back to the Stanley Cup finals since 1984. Uh, when their remarkable streak of, uh, you know, 19 straight playoff wins came to an end finally in the uh, Stanley Cup final as they went for five against the Oilers. Um, you know, just thinking back to 93, I got a list up of, uh, you know, movies that came out. Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Fugitive, Schindler's List. Uh, there there were some good ones that year. Philadelphia, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. You know, thinking back, uh, you know... Grunge was still, you know, relatively new. Nirvana, you know, Neverminded had come out, but and that had become the new big thing. Soundgarden, Pearl Jam was still sort of a new thing back then. So, yeah, it, it's been a long, long time since the Islanders had been in an Eastern Conference Finals. And, uh, you know, win or lose, uh, I certainly think... This is something to be savored, something to be enjoyed, and uh, uh, and in a way, something to be celebrated for this franchise. Uh, even though, you know, the big goal obviously is not the Eastern Conference Finals. It is getting to the Stanley Cup Final. And uh, if you pick up Monday's Newsday, you'll see that, that I'm sticking with the Islanders. I, I, I am of the belief that the, this is sort of a team of destiny type thing going on and uh I did pick the Islanders in seven over the lightning even though you know as I wrote on paper a lot of the check marks go towards the lightning the Islanders will have to be even better much better than they were against the Flyers um to to beat this lightning team but I do think when the Islanders are at their best they can play with any team in the league and that includes the Tampa Bay Lightning. But to discuss 
everything we're going to see in this series, and it, it, it's a good schedule, really. Just uh, you start with game one, and then it's just a, a, a game every other day. Um, really, only one afternoon game, and that's uh, coming up on Sunday. That's uh, which game is that? That's game four uh, is next Sunday, and that's only because NBC has Sunday night football. Um, so they couldn't bump up uh, properties against each other. So they got the Islanders and Lightning on the big station, uh, NBC, at 3 p.m. for Game 4. Otherwise, it's all 8 o'clock starts except for Game 7, which is a 7.30 start. Uh, and actually, before I get to Neil and Colin, I, I just a little you know house ad here that uh, for the most part, we've been doing these Island Ice podcasts on a weekly basis, um, you know, throughout the season. But now in the Eastern Conference Finals, we're going to uh, sort of switch the format up a little bit. We're going to try and uh, give you as many as possible. Certainly after uh, after games, I'll, I'll get on the microphone and give you my thoughts for about, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And that should be up the following morning. Um, and that will also serve as a preview for the next game. So please. Please tune into that. We'll, uh, you know, get you in and out quick. You can listen to it as you walk the dog or your morning commute or whenever you listen to podcasts. But uh, much more Island Ice podcast coming up during this Eastern Conference Finals. And like I said, now I, I would like to bring in my two Newsday teammates, Neil Best and Colin Stevenson, to discuss this Eastern Conference Finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'm joined once again by my Newsday uh, teammates, Neil Best and Colin Stevenson, who have been along for this entire Islanders playoff ride so far. And we know it will last at least another four games as they enter the Eastern Conference semifi- uh, the Eastern Conference Finals uh, against the Lightning. Neil, let me start with you. You, you said you had become a believer after the Capitals series. What has led you to believe further after watching what they did against the Flyers, if anything, or, or were there some red flags in that Flyers series for you? I don't know, but I mean, just uh, full disclosure, I did pick the Lightning to win the series. But to me, honestly, it's it, to me, it's kind of a toss-up. I just think Tampa's got the pedigree and the firepower. But how can you not be an Islanders believer after you saw Game 7 where they just did their thing? I mean, except for almost the, pretty much the entire game. I mean, I think the entire hockey world is impressed with the, what they're doing. It's just smothering people. It's, it's, you have to be a believer. They, the red flag is what the red flag always is with them, which is, will they get consistent scoring? But they always seem to get it when they need it. You know, Barzell looks like a, a budding, you know, superstar if he keeps this up. Uh, so, yeah, the only red flag is, is you know, whatever. They, they don't have Connor McDavid, but, but they've proven that you can win without him. Uh, so, yes, I am a believer, even though – when when forced to pick for this series by you, I did pick Tampa. Colin, uh, we you you've been all over the goalie situation. You, you had Semyon Varlamov start. What was it? Uh, Fourteen of the first fifteen postseason games, and then Thomas Grice pitch a shout a shutout. His first career NHL playoff shutout uh, when he gets the game seven start, albeit only facing sixteen shots. If you're Barry Trotz, are you going back with Greiser in game one against the, uh, the Lightning, or do you turn back to Varlamov? Uh, if, it's, if, if I'm Barry Trotz, I'm going back to Greist. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, you have to. I mean, the, yeah, 16 shots, it's fine. But 
you know, why change a winning lineup? I mean, we, you know, I, I feel like we said the same thing after the last series was over, you know, we were talking about, you know, remember we put in Ross Johnston for that last game uh, over, you know, over Broussard and we were talking about lineup changes and, you know, you, you wouldn't change a winning lineup. So, so I don't know why you would change a, a winning lineup now. Uh, if there's a, if there's no physical issue with Grice, you know, if, if he's fine to go um, on Monday night, I'm going with Grice. I just, I just think you risk angering the hockey gods if you, if you change, if you pull a guy who just, you know, won by a shutout in Game Seven. I mean, it, if it's true that he views the goalies equally, then well, yeah, why would you change? Well, let, let me throw this out to you because uh, the first time we saw Thomas Grice start in the, uh, in the previous series against the Flyers was on that back-to-back uh, when Thomas uh, Varlamov starts the first night of the back-to-back, and then. Trotz comes back with uh, with Gracer in game four, um, and then Varlamov gets games five and six. Now, the, this is certainly not a back-to-back here, but they play game seven against the Flyers on a Saturday night. They spend Sunday traveling out to, to Edmonton, you know, a travel day, getting settled in their new bubble, and then they play on Monday night against the Lightning. Does that quick turnaround maybe argue in Varlamov's favor at all. Grace was bored for half of that game on Saturday night, so I think he's well-rested. I mean, it was like 11 <laughs> shots with four minutes left in the game. Yeah. So, no, I don't think that matters. Agreed. All right, fair enough. We, we've all seen the lightning enough. This is, you know, their fourth trip to the Eastern Conference Finals in, uh, in six years. They've only made it to the Stanley Cup Final once in that span, and that was in, uh, in 2015 uh, when they beat the Rangers in Game 7 at Madison Square Garden. No Steven Stamkos this, uh, this series. Uh, no Steven Stamkos since, uh, since February 25th, but Braden Point has certainly stepped up nicely. What, what, what's the most dangerous thing about this Lightning team to you? I think, uh, I think in the goal. I mean, Vasilevsky, listen – with the Islanders, what we've seen, who they played, right? I mean, they played Bobrovsky, who was kind of okay, right? He had a tough year. Then they played Braden Holtby, who had a tough year. And, and you know, I expected him to be better in the playoffs, and he wasn't. I mean, he, you know, he was kind of not that good. And, and they just, uh, you know, they beat the Flyers. And, and, and Carter Hart certainly was, was good in, you know, in, in a lot of places. He made a lot of really excellent saves. But he let up a lot of bad goals, too. I mean, you know, that, that Brock Nelson goal in, in game five, I guess it was, uh, was just foolish, just ridiculous. So, I mean, I don't expect that. I mean, I think Vasilevsky is, is a step up from what they've seen. He's the best goalie they've seen. Um, he's better than Hart and certainly better than anybody else they've seen. So, uh, as you know, the, the Islanders are not going to score three-plus goals a game against Vasilevsky the way they did against the Flyers in, in Tampa Bay. So, I mean, that's, that's, I'm starting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking right there. No, I was just going to say, you know, you guys, follow, you, you guys follow the sport, you know, all year round every year, unlike me. And, you know, I tend to jump in for these playoffs. And after watching the Lightning, it's five years ago that I watched that series against the Rangers, or, you know, I covered that, and they obviously won it in seven. And so it's interesting to me that five years later, they still have s- several of the key pieces from that team that I watched, you know, way back when, Hedman and Kucherov and these guys. And uh, you, you have to give them some credit for just for that pedigree and how many battles they've been through. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't 
really think the Islanders have faced a defenseman like Victor Hedman yet in this playoff run. I mean, there have been some good defensemen, obviously, but Victor Hedman is a uh, Norris Trophy candidate. You mentioned Vasilevsky. He's a... uh, He's a Vesna Trophy uh, uh, finalist, and, and you know last year, right? Um, yes, and, and and up front you got you know as I mentioned, Braden Point. I I don't know if they faced anyone like Nikita Kucherov yet in in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, you take Alex Ovechkin out of it, you know, uh, maybe that's a silly thing to say say because they did, you know, Ovechkin gets the four goals, but for the most part, Ovechkin wasn't, you know. The, the huge impactful player that he can be in this series. And, and I'm sort of expecting Nikita Kucherov to be that kind of player for the Lightning in this series. I think the Islanders' defense has played well. I mean, you, your man Adam Pellick obviously has played well. And, you know, we'll, we'll see with this new matchup with these guys, with, you know, not just the skill and the talent, but the experience, as you guys have pointed out. I mean, I mean, they belong here. They're here. They're used to being here. They know they know what this level is all about. And the Islanders players, um, as a as a group, do not. So, I mean, I, I think uh, you know Barry does, and you know a handful of guys on the team do. But uh, but I mean, Tampa as a group, they all know. So I think that that's a that's a huge huge thing. And yeah, we'll we'll see if if uh, if Pelik and Pulak and company can can handle Kucherov and those guys. Well, one thing that, you know, when he's obviously the other team's going to talk about how great the Islanders are and what a challenge it is, and that's all normal. But I, I, I think they actually mean it. I, I think that the hockey world has just kind of watched this Islanders team and the way they're doing it. And, the you know, if you're sort of a hockey nerd, I think a lot of these coaches and players are impressed with how the Islanders are doing this. And, and they are a scary team to have to play against because you just watch – the misery they put opposing offenses through. And if you're an offensive player on Tampa, you're like, oh, God, I got to deal with this for four four to seven games. But I, I do think they're worried about the Islanders. Well, I mean, you guys were, were on on the Lightning uh, Zoom media access on, on Sunday, and, and a lot of the talk was, are the Lightning going to benefit because they played two similar teams to the Islanders in, in rounds one and two in the Blue Jackets and Bruins. And to be fair, they handled both teams. You know, nothing's easy in the playoffs in that Blue Jackets series, you know, five overtimes. That was a slog. But the, the, the fact is the Lightning did win both series in five games against teams very similar to, to the Islanders. That's why I picked you know, Tampa, and like, you know, the last, obviously I've, it's, it's become a thing now. I picked the Islanders to lose in five games and, you know, I'll, I'll stick with that for now. It seemed, but the, you know, with the, with the flyer series, you know, I, I kind of just did it because, because, you know, but this time Tampa's a, a serious, serious deal. And, 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 you know, that's, that's why, you know, it's because of what Tampa has gone through because of what they've gone through, not just over the last five years, but also, you know, beating those two teams. Boston is no joke either. So, I mean, to, to get through Boston in, in five games, I thought is, is uh, you know, is a telling thing about Tampa Bay, how good they are. Yeah, and of course, the Bruins, you know, Tuka Rask leaves the Toronto bubble. Um, and, and really, you know, it was Yaroslav Halak against the uh, Lightning, you know, not the Bruins number one. Not that, you know, the ex-Islander is any slouch in net, but, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting either way, you know, you know, the lightning are going to face the Islanders number one goalie. It's just a matter of who that number one goalie 
is at this point. So, um, how about John Cooper? You know, you, you talk about a guy, you know, we, we, we talk about Barry Trotz all the time. You know, the pedigree he has, the cup win. John Cooper is now, what is this, eight seasons in Tampa? He's been there a long, long time, taking him, like I said, to, you know, four of six Eastern Conference finals, one Stanley Cup. Neil, you mentioned today, he's a, he's a Hofstra <laughs> lacrosse player. Well, yeah, we can't. Newsday cannot resist the fact that the guy's a Hofstra lacrosse player because it is kind of a cool. I mean, it's a weird, cool thing that he, he's, he's, he's from Western Canada. He's not from, you know, Copig. But it's kind of cool. And, you know, he's, yeah, he's had a great career. I mean, look, Barry Trotz is probably a Hall of Fame coach, and he's been coaching the NHL for, I guess, what, 22 years now? And it took him until two years ago to make a conference finals. You know, John, John Cooper's had seven full seasons in Tampa, has been a four conference finals. So he's had an amazing run for a guy with an unconventional, you know, lead up to his NHL career. So you got to give him a lot of credit. And he's very interesting and quotable, which is why another reason I like him. Uh, he's just an interesting character, and he's done a great job with a, you know, in Tampa Bay of all places. So yeah, he's obviously Barry Trotz is on an incredible coaching role, but he's got a, a formidable coaching, you know, component this time. You know, when I did the uh, position by position uh, matchups, which is uh, available on Newsday.com/backslash/sports, in the coaching area, when I, I did the analysis there. I did give the edge to the Islanders and Barry Trotz. Would, would you guys agree? Yeah, I think I would. I mean, you know, ultimately Trotz has, has won the big prize, uh, you know, and Cooper has not. Um, and then, you know, for all these years that, that Tampa has been there or thereabouts, you know, you got to look at the roster too. I mean, they've had Stamkos for that whole time. They've had Hedman for that whole time. They no. have Ben Bishop in net for a long time. Now yeah. they have Vasilevsky in net. They make all those trades with the Rangers. They bring in a guy like Ryan McDonough, you know, although, you know, I know they had to, uh, they had to move JT Miller for, for salary yeah. reasons. And that's looking like a bad move on their part. Again. And that's not to, that's not to diminish or belittle anything that Cooper may have done. I mean, you know, you can only work with what you have, but I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, he's had more to work with, I think, than probably Trotz did over the, the most of his career. I mean, yes, obviously when he was in Washington, he had Ovechkin, and that's one of the, the greatest players of all time. Uh, and in Nashville, he had some very good players as well and some good teams. The Islanders, you know, he, he came to the Islanders at a time when the Islanders, I don't think, you know, anybody expected much from them. And he's, he's gotten them to overachieve. So, I mean, he's, I, you know, I, I, I would say that based on that, I think he's done more with less than Cooper has. And, and I, again, trying to be careful here, I'm not trying to say that Cooper's a bum. He's certainly not. He's a great coach. <laughs> he went to Hofstra. How can it be a bum? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm, not, I'm saying he's not a bum. I'm saying he's not. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you have to choose, I, I, agree, with, I agree with taking Barry over, over Cooper. Can I, can I make a big picture point here? Because that's what columnists do, and that's what I'm sure I'll do this week. Um, you, know, you know, I think it's interesting. So th these kinds of situations are interesting to me because obviously the Islanders are the underdog. You know, they're the, the underdog because they were the lowest seed in the final eight. And it's kind of cool that they've gotten as far as they have for 27 years. And if they got swept, you'd still have to say, hey, they had a great, you know, it was kind of cool and they had a great run. But you know, this is a team that is built to win now. Right. And, and you can't, you know, as much as you'd have to give them credit, even if they lose in this round, on the, the flip side of that is you have to take advantage of these opportunities. They have a win now team. 
they're in this bizarre situation where all the teams are dealing with this bubble thing that's not normal. So, they, you know, they really have to take – they don't have to take advantage of this opportunity, but this they really should take advantage of this opportunity. They just do not come along very often. So they, they have to just carpe diem and win this cup now. Yeah, no, you, you're right, because if you look at the Islanders, yeah – Matthew Barzell and Anthony Beauvillier, you know, they're in the, the, the 23 range. Um, but you got guys, you know, Jordan Everly, Anders Lee, uh, you know, Brock yeah. Nelson, they're, 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 they're in the upper 20s pushing 30s um, range. And, and you're right, this is, this is the Islanders' time. You can't count on getting back here next season. No one even knows when next season is going to begin. You know, I know the NHL wants to begin it on December 1st, but more and more that, that's seeming like a pipe dream at this point. So, uh, you know, win while you're here because next season one may be a, a shortened season where you don't even make the playoffs if you get off to a bad start. So I, I agree that, you know, the opportunity is right here in front of you. And I, I really liked what Josh Bailey was saying going into this uh, conference finals. He kept being asked about, you know, is there a sense of accomplishment for what the Islanders have done? And Bailey kept saying, you know, yeah, it's nice, but that, that's not where our minds are at, and that's not where our minds can be. There's a lot more we're looking to accomplish at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's a scenarios, obviously, if you have a really young team that's kind of shocking upsets and then get further than anybody thought, then you could say, okay, it's, it's building towards something. But no, this is – the guy who's their current starting goalie is probably not going to be on the team next year. Like, you know, you have to, you have to act now. Yeah. And, and Varlamov is 32 and, you know, the, the, the transition plan is to get to Ilya Sorokin, obviously, but you know, you, like you said, there's the problem. music, the Sorokin music. Uh, yeah. Cue the Sorokin music. <laughs> really does squeeze a guy like Thomas Grice out of the picture, you know, yeah. so it, it, it's interesting. And, you know, Grice would probably be the last one to be concerned about that too, because, you know, as he says, this is not rocket science and nothing seems to, to, to phase this guy. I, I've, I've been around a lot of athletes that are tough to crack in my career, including Eli Manning, among others. Thomas Grice is the hardest guy to crack for a reporter to get an interesting <laughs> quote that I've ever been around. He is unshakable. Yeah, except except he gave two, probably two of the greatest quotes, uh, you know, of, of the series. Oh, the rock, the rocket science. <laughs> the, the the rocket science, and when he said, "Yeah, I'd start Varlamov," you know, he yeah. goes, "There's no yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Those are both good quotes. Sometimes simpler is better. Yeah, you just got to listen to him. <laughs> you know, so... Hey, how's your man, uh, your, speaking of uh, uh, Grice, how's your buddy uh, Leonard? He's doing a nice job out there in Vegas, huh? Well, on? there's, there's a, a decent chance if the Islanders, and, and this is really touching the money here, if there, there is a good chance if the Islanders can make it past the Lightning to the Stanley Cup final, they might, you know, they they would face Robin Leonard in the Vegas Golden Knights. But are we going to do the thing where we pick a key player for the next round? We were just okay, getting good. To that. Okay, I'm just I'm just I'm so eager. Oh, it's my turn to go first. <laughs> oh, oh God. Okay. 
All right. Uh, yeah, we've we've done this uh, two two playoff three playoff rounds in a row now, where I asked the boys. Uh, you know, you take the goalie out of it, and before I was saying you take Barlamov out of it, but you take the Islanders' goalie out of it. Which player here, you know, are you really looking to in this series? And uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to Colin. I should almost take Barzell off the board, but I won't. <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do you guys a favor. I'm gonna take Barzell off the board for myself. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say that because. Uh, because of the coaching and because of the defense that Tampa have, I think they're going to focus on Barzell. And then because of the, the last two games that Barzell had in this series, I think they'd, they'd be foolish not to just really uh, wall up against that guy. So somebody else – and make somebody else beat them. So I'm going to say that the guy who's going to have to beat them is going to be uh, Beauvillier. You know, that line's – been their best line anyway. I mean, you know, and uh, Bo hasn't scored a goal in the, in the last few games and stuff. He's, he's not getting the results that he had been getting early on in the, in the Capitol series and such. And I, and I think probably because, you know, maybe Philadelphia paid more attention to his line um, and to him than Washington did. Uh, so, I, you know, now that I think, uh, you know, the man to, to stop is going to have to be Barzal for Tampa Bay, I, I think that that's you know, then you're going to look for somebody else to do it. And then, so my first pick uh, to be that guy would be Beauvillier. By the way, you're not, you're not counting Beauvillier's empty netter to make it. Well, no, no, no. Okay. Just, just say, all right, Neil. So you got the Islanders goalie gone and you've got Anthony Beauvillier gone. So you can have Barzal if you want. No, no, no. No, I'm taking Jordan Eberle. Because oh, because 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 there had to be two dozen great <laughs> scoring chances for this guy late in the Flyers series, and we know that he's got the ability to put the puck in the net, and so he's due. But the, the number of close calls he had, whether he missed or the ball or the puck skittered under the under a stick, it seemed like he was always around the net. So I am going to take Jordan Everly to, um, you know, finally convert some of those chances and make a big difference. And that, that, that would have been my choice. That's an that's a excellent choice there. Are you going to pick one guy this time? Are you going to take everybody else? No, I got the rest of the team now. So, uh, <laughs> no. I, I'll tell you what. I, I, if Barzell's off the board and, uh, well, Barzell's we're – Barzell's not off the board. Barzell is very much on the board. I will go with you guys. I will take Barzell off the board also because he is certainly the obvious choice. I'm going to go with Anders Lee. Because the, the big man has been at the net. He's been scoring uh, like he's never scored before in the NHL playoffs. And, and if Jordan Eberle is not going to do it, then Matthew Barzell does need a line mate who is going to be converting these, these passes that, that Barzi is making. So I, I'm going to say Anders Lee is going to be key here, getting to the net, getting, you know, basically interrupting Andre Vasilevsky's eyes, you know, with that big body, you know, backing in and just creating havoc there. I think he's going to be, you know, in a lot of battles with Victor Hedman. Um, and that, you know, that's, that could work to the Islanders benefit because you have two huge bodies in front of the net then. And the Islanders can convert either through screens or maybe Vasilevsky doesn't pick up the puck until the last minute and there's a rebound that uh, Anders can uh, pop in there. So I will take Anders Lee uh, for this series. 
I have to tell you that, uh, you know, I've, I've gained a whole new appreciation for what he does, you know, watching him these last two series. He's really been something else. I mean, the way he, the way he plays, the game he plays is just, it's, it's really impressive. And, and of course he has, you know, I think Neil wrote about this. He has a connection with John Cooper dating back to uh, junior hockey, right? In 2010. Yeah, Anders tied a game late in regulation in the in the playoffs, and then they won in overtime. And and really, you know, at that point, that was a big boost to John Cooper's career because after that, the Lightning organization picked him up. And you know, so Anders Lee does, you know, definitely played a role in Cooper's coaching ascension. You know, and, they, and, they, and he thinks extremely highly of him personally, also. I was thinking of Anders Lee when I saw the news that the the New York Football Giants cut his cousin. Uh, the linebacker Ryan Connolly. That kind of came out of nowhere because. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of our uh, one of my football writer colleagues uh, said, "Hey, after Game Seven, if Andres is on the um, Zoom, maybe you could ask him about that." <laughs> no, <laughs> he was kidding. He was kidding. He was kidding. <laughs> Although, I mean, if we if we were in the locker room like normal times, then I would ask Andres about that. Yeah, no, unfortunately no, for you, he wasn't on the Zoom. Yeah. And every time we've talked to Anders about his cousin, he's been appreciative of being asked the questions because Anders is a big family guy. So, uh, you know, eh, I was a little shocked at that move. But um, anyway, look, uh, as we're trying to keep this tight here, any other thoughts on this series? I just have to say that uh, I'm really interested to see uh, a couple of ex-Rangers, um, Kevin Shattenkirk uh, has, has uh, really kind of rebuilt his career down there in Tampa Bay, and, and Ryan McDonough was on the Zoom today, the former Ranger captain. I mean, a lot of, you know, we keep running into ex-Rangers players along the way here, and we just uh, got done with Kevin Hayes, who had a, a monster series for Philadelphia and a losing cause, and uh, he's watching the Western, uh, the Western playoffs there, too, and watching JT Miller. For me, and, and for whatever Ranger fans happen to be listening, uh, or people who don't hate the Rangers happen to be listening, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, how Shattenkirk and, and McDonough, you know, perform in this series. And Shattenkirk, I believe, is in a one-year contract. So, I mean, he's going to be out there for anybody looking for an offensive defenseman after this year. So, uh, And he's a relatively local guy he's from, from uh, Westchester County somewhere. And plus, Trotz had Shattenkirk for about a half a season. You know, yeah, 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 that's true in Washington. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Barry's talked about this a lot. Shattenkirk gets to the Caps and everyone thinks the Caps have acquired a top pair defenseman. And, and Trotz very bluntly kept saying, you know, that's not the game that Shattenkirk plays. Those, you know, that's not where he's best suited. He's very good on the power play, but don't put him on a top pair. You know, he's more of a you know, probably a second and most likely a third pair type of player. And, and Barry said a lot of people never under, you know, really got that about Shattenkirk. Yeah, and it, it seems as though Tampa Bay did, though, because, I mean, they, they, got, they, they got him off the scrap heap after he got bought out by the Rangers, and he seems to have fit in perfectly down there with all the ex-Rangers they have down there. All right. So Colin had the, uh, the lightning in five. Neil had the lightning and six and I'm sticking to my guns, even though I, I pretty much rated the lightning ahead. I, I gave them the check mark. I think at every position except defense, I think I put that even and I gave the edge to the Islanders in goaltending. And despite that imperative oh, no, evidence, 
You gave Tampa the edge in goaltending. No, no, I gave the light. I meant defense and coaching. Did I say goaltending? Yeah. yeah. No, coaching, I gave the edge to the Islanders. Thank you. And and defense, I think I rated even. Uh, Despite all that, I'm still picking the Islanders in seven with the idea of that they just have this team of destiny feel to them. And that 2020 is such a wacky year. Why not? You know, why wouldn't they win this series? <laughs> so, well, you know, I'm trying to do the best I can. Obviously, I pick against them and they win. So if I, I picked against them the first time they won, picked against them the second time they won. So I picked against them this time. You can thank me later, Islander fans, you know, just like I said last week. Yeah, and, and I got them in seven against the Lightning, which is if they do that, I think you will think of that as one of the uh, – huge achievements, you know, aside from the, uh, you know, the four straight Stanley Cups and the 19 straight playoff wins, which will never be equaled. I think beating beating the Lightning in this conference finals would be right up there in in franchise history as one of the best moments. So uh, you're getting that pick right will be one of the career highlights for you too, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. There'll be an extra, you know, three dimes in my paycheck for that one. So but listen, Neil, Colin, as always, thank you so much for uh, for popping in and uh, giving us your insight. And uh, hopefully we can uh, continue to do this. Yeah, let's keep doing it. It's fun. Thanks, Andrew. And my thanks uh, for, for my, my, my many thanks for a lot of things to Neil and Colin, who have been so helpful uh, throughout this playoff run and uh, certainly looking forward to uh, what they're going to say in their writings through this uh, this next series. And now I'm looking forward to what I'm going to say to your questions as I answer some. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And I'm going to, as, as I quickly glance over this, this seems to, there are two main questions here. One, basically, you know, is it going to be Thomas Grice or Semyon Varlamov? And is it going to be Michael Dalkal or Leo Komarov or Ross Johnson? So, uh, you know, I do want to uh, give credit for those of you who have taken the time to tweet at me. So I'm going to just go through first. And uh, let's see. Let's start off with the Michael Dalkal stuff. David Salazar says, does Dalkal stay in the lineup? David Borg uh, says Del Hall has looked solid in all his appearances. Any chance he unseats Uncle Leo? And uh, Melissa asks, what changes would you make to the lineup for the next game? Uh, Lee Bob says, uh, hey, Andrew, any chance MDC stays in over Leo, Uncle Leo? Coho says, statement first, Dalcal deserves a lot of credit for his play in game seven. Think he earned a spot for next game. Uh, let's see, uh, Michael says, uh, third line seems better with Dalcal over Uncle Leo. Do the Islanders stick with the same lineup? Uh, P. Williams says, why do the Islanders value, uh, Dalcal over Ross Johnson? Just curious. Ross actually scores more and is a heavier body. Uh, yeah, Rye says, any reason why Barry went to MDC over Komarov in Game 7 with their dominance? Can we expect no changes to the lineup for Game 1? Grice included. Uh, Kenny asked, does Trotz pivot a bit and emphasize the physical game? A bit more dressing Uncle Leo and Ross Johnson for Dal Collin Brass. 
we'll go through the Michael Dow call stuff. First of all, I, I do expect Barry Trotz to stick with the same lineup. I, I think Dow call had an efficient game. Um, you know, he's very good along the walls. He's very good in the corners. Uh, the, the only real thing that, that might get Uncle Leo, uh, Leo Komarov back in the lineup is the penalty kill because Leo, uh, Komarov is very good on the penalty kill. And, and Tampa Bay certainly, you know, they were fifth in the regular season on the, uh, on the power play. So obviously, you know, as always, a penalty kill is going to be important. But I, I think... Trotz doesn't like changing lineups after, you know, such an impressive win. And so I I I, I would guess Dal Cal stays in for at least game one. Um I don't think Ross Johnson goes in for brass, uh, for whoever asked that. Against Tampa Bay, you're going to try and emphasize the speed game a little bit more. So you want Broussard out there flying along with uh JG Pajot. And Dal Call, although, you know, scouting report on him is that his skating is not among the upper echelon in the NHL. He can keep up, and I do think they, they like his puck retrieval skills and his one-on-one battles and just his tenaciousness uh, around the puck is, is what Barry Trotz sees in Dal Call. Um, and, and also, I wonder, you know, uh, when asked about lineups and, uh, you know, uh, for Game 7 against the Flyers, Barry sort of went off on this tangent about how it's, Two bad players get criticized in the playoffs, meaning by the media, because we obviously don't know who's injured. And he's saying, you know, at no point in the playoffs is really anybody playing at 100%. Obviously, teams are not fully reporting or, or reporting at all who is and who is not dealing with nagging injuries. But it made me wonder whether, you know, Leo was dealing with some sort of issue. And that that's just speculation on my part. I just kind of found it weird how Barry uh, sort of backed into that. So, uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think Dalcal does stay in. I, I do think Leo sees time in this series just because of uh, uh, the penalty kill aspect there. Um, oh, I missed this one. Michael Klink says, uh, Peugeot has had to center a line that has been in and out with different players. With the line mates he has had, who do you like to see with, uh, play with JJ? And I, I really want to see Broussard stay with JJ. I thought they were very effective, uh, certainly in game seven. And I think Brass is, uh, you know, his time out of the lineup kind of, got him a little twerked off as it was. He said it was tough. So, um, you know, I, I, I think brass in, in, in the line, in the lineup is, is almost a, a given, uh, there. Uh, going back to P Williams, I don't know that the Islanders value Dal Call over Ross Johnson. I, I just think they're very different players and Ross Johnson, uh, certainly, you know, has his spots where he can come in. And, and like I've mentioned a lot, I, I think Ross Johnson is a better skater and has softer hands than he gets credit for. But for now, I, I think they're, they're going to want Dal Call's uh, tenaciousness around the puck. And that's uh, just my opinion. We'll, we'll certainly see. And I, I think the lineups, you know, will will shift as as this series goes on and it, it develops and you know even if if it does get into a more physical 
uh, you know, battle. Certainly, Ross Johnson is there. As far as uh, you know, Thomas Grice, Craig Antman here says, do you think Trotz sticks with Grice? But basically, you get the gist. It's a lot of uh, uh, goalie questions here. I, I, I certainly think that. Uh, well, first of all, it's a very tough decision. And, uh, you know, from sort of the, the whispers I heard was that the Islanders, Barry, and the coaching staff certainly had not told either of the goalies on Sunday. Um, you know, whether that turns out to be true, that's just sort of, you know, kind of the whispers I heard uh, coming out of the bubble in Edmonton was that, you know, Barry really was conflicted on this choice and uh, didn't know, you know, uh, not that he didn't know, but, you know, as he says, he's got two good choices. Um, you know, I think Thomas Grice is really good at coming in in these spot starts. My first instinct was to say, no, Thomas Grice stays in net there. Uh, you know, how do you take a guy coming out off of a uh, a shutout like that? But um, if, if Varlamov is 100% healthy, it would not shock me at all if Barry Trotz goes back to him in game one. I think in general, Varlamov will get, you know, or, or not that they feel comfortable because, again, they feel comfortable with both. But I think their, their, their plan, their, their, their design is that Varlamov gets more of the work and you can spot Grice in to these starts and know that he's going to play very well. So, you know, as I'm answering this, I'm sort of changing my mind. I went into it thinking Grice would start game one. Uh, now I'm thinking uh, Semyon Varlamov will start game one. I think we'll see both as this series goes on. Um, Non-Leo Dalcal and Grice Varlamov questions. Kurt Green says, with the success of the Islanders, largely largely with a core he put together, do you think it increases Garth Snow's chances of another GM, assistant GM position in the NHL? To put it delicately, um, I don't think... Garth is in line for another GM position. Um, you know, he he had a long time here to to get things you know turned around in a consistent manner, and and it didn't happen. And, and I do think the rest of the NHL takes note of that. Which is not to say, you know, at some point, you know, he might not get another assistant GM position um, because I think Garth Snow, you know, you can go up and down the the Islanders, you know organizational roster and see a lot of Garth Snow draft choices. So I, I think people who would make those hiring decisions would look at Garth Snow and, and see a pretty decent talent evaluator uh, and a guy who does know the game. Um, but I don't think those those people would put him back in the GM's chair. Uh, I, I think an assistant GM position would be much more likely if he does get back into the NHL. Uh, let's see. Alexander Dominic asks a music question. Um, non-hockey question here. Why no love for Danny Carey of Tool whenever you discuss drummers? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I do like Tool, um, and and I do like Danny Carey, and, and and I do like that music. He's just not, you know, for whatever reason, he's not the first guy that, you know, 
uh, I think of when, when, when I think of the drummers that I really, really love, and maybe it's because I've never seen, uh, you know, Tool live. I, I think you get a, a greater appreciation for drummers when you do see, you know, bands live. Like, for instance, uh, I, I, I really enjoy watching Brooks Wackerman, who is an Avenged Sevenfold now. He used to be, you know, I saw him live a few times with Bad Religion, and I just like the emotion and what he puts in you know i saw liberty devito live and i just loved how hard he hits the drum so i think you do get you know more of an attachment when you see a drummer live you know i'm thinking back um i remember seeing deep purple on their reunion tour um you know uh, the, the, the perfect strangers tour, um, out at the Meadowlands and they came out and I, I believe they opened up with highway star and I'm watching Ian pace. And I remember thinking to myself, I I've never seen, you know, not, he was a metronome, but with so much swing and feeling, his timing was so amazing. It just blew me away. That first song, and you know, I, I had always loved the records, but first time seeing Ian Pace, it was just like mind blown at, at how good he was. So you know, I'm sure if I saw Tool live, uh, you know, I would fall in love with the drummers, you know. But it hasn't happened yet. Um, Matthew Magner says, "What does Lad's absence from the lineup mean for next season?" And I, I got to think that you know, contract aside. Andrew Ladd, they're they're showing that he is not in the long term plans here. I mean, you know they've they've rotated wings on and off JG Pajot's line. Uh, you know Ross Johnson, Michael Dalcall, uh, Derek Broussard, Ross Johnson, and even Tommy Kuhnhockel, You know was in at the start, but Andrew Ladd has not, and I don't think he's even taken warm ups through the postseason. You know, as Barry likes getting an extra forward there. So I, I think they're showing you that whatever they can do, Andrew Ladd is not going to be a part of the Islanders' NHL roster, you know, if all things being equal next season. Um, Matt says, who has been your most pleasant surprise so far? I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess the obvious answer uh, would be Beauvillier, and not that he's a surprise, but I, I guess the most pleasant surprise really is, uh, you know, Matty Martin not only is doing what Matt Martin does with the physical game, but he's uh, he's contributing. I, I believe four goals uh, he's up to now. He got his fourth in game six against the Flyers, and, and that's because he's been so active around the net and, and you know, looking to score. Um, and so I, I, I'd say Matt Martin's four goals might be the most pleasant surprise, uh, so far. Oh, sorry, Janet, uh, Zarnicki asked Bryce or Varley in that game one. Sorry, I didn't mention you, Janet, but uh, now I've mentioned you twice. Um, Benjamin Strauss says, who is favored to win the Eastern Conference? I think, you know, uh, me picking the Islanders in seven aside, I, I think you'll see most people pick the uh, the the Lightning to win this series. Um, let's see, Frank uh, Mamola, and I'll apologize in advance. I do not have the stats here. What's the win breakdown for teams that win Game One of a Conference Final? I'm sure that stat will come out at some point during Game One. I'm sorry I didn't look that up for you. 
Frankie, but in, enjoy the games. Uh, Melissa asked, what changes would you make to the lineup for the next game? I, I really don't think any, um, taking the goalie out of it. Um, so let's see, uh, Krugs13 says, with the Islanders still in need of an elite winger and Hall being, a, uh, that being Taylor Hall, uh, being a UFA when this all ends, what are the chances of Lou Lamarillo being able to sweet-talk the ex-devil into coming back east? Um, first of all, I, I don't see how you're going to, to fit that in with a flat cap and having to pay the RFAs uh, and the UFAs that you need to do. I mean, Pulak, Taze, and Barzell are, are going to cost some money. Um, so... You know, unless you're telling me you're moving a whole lot of, you know, you would have to move Andrew Ladd's contract. You would probably have to move Johnny Boychuk's contract. Um, But to move contracts like that, you're going to have to take something uh, of value back. And when I say a value, I don't mean a good player. I mean, you know, a contract that is has a high value. So I I just don't see Taylor Hall fitting in with, with the Islanders at all. And to to be able uh, to be honest with you, it didn't. Uh, I think Ray Shiro made that trade anyway. Uh, Lou Lou was gone from the uh, from the Devils at that point, and you know I don't know that Taylor Hall has has any affinity for coming back to the New York area. I mean, I think you know having covered the Devils, he <laughs> he plays a lot close to the vest. He never really lets you in to what he's totally thinking. Um, but I always got the sense that he could have taken or leaving, taken or left playing in the New York metropolitan area, uh, which is not to say he didn't play hard and he didn't enjoy being a devil. I, I just, I don't know, you know, I, I do know talking to him that he was happy being out in New Jersey rather than, you know, being a ranger and being in Manhattan. Uh, I, I do know that, uh, Jim uh, Deolia says, is Trotz the best coach in any sport currently? Um, You know, as much as this pains me to say it, there's still a guy named Bill Belichick uh, in New England. And uh, I'm now just going to vomit into my mouth a little bit for for having that thought. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Steve says, does game seven prove that this team has another level that they they only pull out when needed. Um, it, it, it can't be that way. They can't only pull it out when needed. They, they have to play. Certainly, you know, each series has gotten tougher, as you've seen. You go from the Panthers to the Capitals, uh, and, you know, the Capitals to the Flyers. And the Flyers, obviously, was a much tougher series than the than the Capitals one was, and you know what the Lightning's a, a whole different ball game than the Flyers are going to be. The Islanders can't sit there, you know, uh, flipping the switch on and off. They got to be at that ultra high level from the start, um, and it's going to be tough in Game One. Uh, you have the short turnaround. They they flew out to Edmonton from Toronto on Sunday. Didn't have a practice. They'll have a morning skate before Game One. Uh, you know, Barry Trotz uh, has talked about sometimes you get this emotional letdown after a, a big Game 7 win like they had against the Flyers. They're going to have to guard against that. This is, you know, it's not going to be easy. And, and I'll tell you what, if the, if the Lightning start out 
fast and it's because the Islanders can't get to their game, the Islanders may not get to their game at all in this series. So it's not something that they only pull out uh, when needed. Um, uh, I think I answered this one, right? Michael Quink says uh, Pajot has had to center a line that has been in and out with different players with the linemates he has had. Who do you like to see him to see play with JJ? Um, you know, as much as I, I, first of all, I will say Derek Broussard. Um, and then it's just that other slot. Um, I, I think each of the players that Barry Trotz has put there has been good at that particular moment. Um, I, in a way, I think Leo Komarov gives you the greatest versatility uh, just because he can retrieve pucks for those two, and he's such an important penalty killer. So um, I, I do think, you know, if, if Leo probably is the, the best long-term option there, but I, I think, you know, uh, Barry's been pushing all the right buttons, so I'm not going to, uh, to, to, to question his coaching at all. Uh, uh, Matt uh, asks, what do you make of Rangers Twitter's idea to offer Sheet Barzell? Lock, likelihood of this happening, and would Matt sign it? Um, I, I don't think there will be anything for Matt to sign. I, I, if if a team does offer Sheet Barzell, I don't think it will be the Rangers because they have uh, they they have some you know cap issues of their own. Unless you're telling me you know Henrik Lundqvist retires and suddenly that eight million is opened up, but still you're going to want to spend it on re-signing Tony D'Angelo and, uh, you know, Jesper Faust is up for a deal. So I, I don't see the Rangers going after Barzell. But I, I will say this, and I've always been one to say, you know, I'll believe it when I see it as far as offer sheets. This could be a wacky enough offseason that, you know, I, I think the Islanders might be a little bit vulnerable to an offer sheet for Barzell. Um, but, you know, I, I know Lou, <laughs> Lou Lou does not leave any stone unturned, so I'm sure he's already planned for that eventuality, and I think the Islanders will have a plan going in. All right, here's one. Michael Minucci says, Hi, Andrew. I'm under the age of 30 and still in disbelief the Islanders are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Where does that spectacular Game 7 performance last night line up for you in terms of games you've covered over the course of your career? Um, My first instinct is to say it's been up there. And, you know, I've covered uh, Stanley Cup Finals, uh, two with the Devils and one with the Rangers. And and those games are are just spectacular to be at. You know, some great Eastern Conference Finals, some great playoff runs, uh, you know, while I was on the Rangers beat. You know, coming back 3-1 against the Penguins, uh, Marty St. Louis, mom passing away and all the emotions that went into that. And in other sports, you know, I covered the the Yankee Met World Series. I covered the Yankee uh, Diamondbacks World Series. I covered the Yankee Braves World Series in 96. Um, That was incredible. Uh, You know, I'm not trying to give you my my whole resume. I, I guess my point would be, it's a weird question for me in terms of games I've covered over the course of my career. The big difference, of course, is every other big event I've been at, the the New York City Marathons, uh, you know, U.S. Open tennis or, uh, you know, uh, college football championship games, uh, you know, 
Ohio State, Miami, uh, all those games, I was in the building. I, I saw it with my own eyes. You could feel the emotion from the packed crowd. And for game seven against the Flyers, yeah, I wrote stories about it. Yeah, I interviewed players and coaches briefly via Zoom after the game, but you know, no one was in the building. So uh, do I feel like I covered that game? I, I, I don't necessarily feel like I do covered that game. I feel like I wrote stories about that game. And, and, and to me, there's a huge difference there. And, and and that's not me complaining about anything because God knows this, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, you know, people have a lot bigger problems than me not being in the building for a hockey game. So I, I just want to say that right out. But if you ask me, where does that stand in in the list of big games I've covered. I, I don't consider that, you know, a game I really covered other than watching it on TV with it with everyone. So it, it is a little bit different. A different Matt, uh, this is unflinching, says, does momentum mean anything anymore? Do the Islanders have to win game one? No, they don't have to win game one. It, it would be beneficial if they won game one, you know, then they only have to win three more. And look at me, I'm a math major. But uh, no, momentum doesn't mean anything anymore, uh, especially not with uh, home crowds or, or really any travel in this series. It, it really doesn't mean anything. Um, momentum is your starting goalie uh, and how well you are playing defense. Um, New York Islanders fan C asks a technical question that I will now attempt to fumble through. Why under Trotz's system do forwards collapse and not pressure the points? Philly exposed the setup. I think an adjustment has to be made against Tampa Bay. Um, now, the Islanders did adjust, and I don't necessarily, you know, the, the, the Islanders' defensive system is predicated on this, if you draw sort of an umbrella around the crease, you know, a uh, five-person umbrella, and it's, it's designed to limit uh, limit rebounds or, or completely eradicate the uh, uh, the rebounds and, and really protect that area and get into shooting lanes. And what the Flyers did was they sort of stretched the Islanders out by going low to high a lot and, and you know, east to west and west to east a lot. And it got the Islanders' defense moving. But I, I think you saw in Game 7 that the Islanders did figure that out. So... Anything else? Uh, Michael uh, Garini says, with Green being the oldest guy on the team, what do you think about Trotz letting Johnny Boychuk play game one in his hometown? Also, my son Tyler wants to know if you think Casey will score in this series. Hi, Tyler, and thanks for getting a question in. Um, you know, that fourth line has been dangerous, uh, um, and, and Casey has been close during the series, I do know this. I mean, I don't want to guarantee Tyler a Casey Sezikis goal. Uh, Casey, if you're listening, if you want to get on Twitter and guarantee Tyler a, uh, a goal, please be my guest. But what I will say is the fourth line will have to score against the, uh, the Lightning because the Islanders are going to need that extreme secondary scoring and and, uh, you know, balance up and down the lineup uh, to be at their best. So, you know, the fourth line, Matty Martin, as I mentioned, has got four goals. Fourth line is going to have to chip in. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it would be a nice sentimental thing, uh, letting Johnny Boychuk start a game. But, 
you know what? This is game one of the Eastern Conference semifinal, and I, I really don't think Barry Trotz is thinking about who's playing in what hometown. So I certainly expect Andy Green to stay in the, uh, in the lineup there. Brian G. says, will the Islanders have a viewing party at Nassau Coliseum? I have not heard anything about that. Uh, might not be a bad idea. Well, uh, I should say, it, it, you know, I don't think government officials want to do anything to encourage large crowds to come together. So I, I don't see that happening. And uh, uh, let's see, uh, I think that uh, that would finish it off and that will finish off this episode of Island Ice. And like I said, uh, episode 46 here is going to be followed quickly by episodes 47, 48, etc., etc. So please check back for that and please go to the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports to find all of my articles, all of Neil's articles, all of Collins' articles, uh, anything written about the Islanders and the NHL playoffs you can find there. And, And until I talk to you again, again very shortly, wishing you happy playoff hockey.